Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. If you do, hey, thanks for reading my books. Today, I would like to talk about something that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's like been bugging me. You know, I don't usually do episode breakdowns on this show, because, well, there aren't a lot of shows that I really feel deserve that any, anymore and also because a lot of shows come up on streaming and so we get all the shows you know in one giant bundle there are a few exceptions to that and one of those shows that's definitely worth watching is the orville on fox and trust me i never expected that i would be saying that like i have a weird relationship with content created by seth mcfarlane but if you are a Star Trek fan, I have to say the best Star Trek show on available right now, new and making current episodes, is probably The Orville. I think season one of The Orville last year was much better than season one of Star Trek Discovery. And I've really enjoyed season two of The Orville so far. And one of the things that makes it so different is the humor that in some ways you come to expect because Seth MacFarlane is part of the, the well, is the creator of the show. Having said that, the fact that they can make some things that you think are going to be big jokes into kind of touching, almost moving experiences, that ability to subvert your expectations at least my expectations, is one of the things that I have enjoyed the most about this show. And before we get to the main topic that I want to discuss, we'll spend a little bit of time on episode one this season called Jaloja. The whole premise of this episode is that Bordis's people only urinate once a year. That's it. And so... They have to go back to his home world so that he can perform the ceremony of Jaloja and urinate. And so, yeah, you you kind of start seeing how this episode is going to go in your head, right? Just off of that basic, simple premise. Oh, it's going to be a bunch of pee jokes, maybe some, you know jokes about, you know, Mucklin lower bits and what have you. But no, no. The actual episode has much more to do with family and relationships with friends and the things that we do to keep connections alive, which bleeds very well into the next episode in the series. But you don't expect that from a premise about, ha 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 ha, Mocklins only pee once a year, it's time for the Mocklins to pee. 
No, you, you don't expect anything touching or sweet or just moving from that. But it, it, we get that anyway. And that's kind of the magic that this show has, as well as its ability to tackle really dark subject matter like it does in the next episode, Primal Urges, in which we continue with a focus on Bordas, which I think Bordas is one of the most interesting characters on the show, so I, I am not I, I am not troubled at all with them spending time with him, but we see him basically having an what appears to be like a porn addiction problem because he and his husband Clyden have recently had a child and he's going off to their simulator and engaging in all kinds of risky and uh well let's just say he he's uh making whoopee with the holograms at an alarming rate and yes, the show does have a wonderful jab on be careful what kind of sketchy porn you're downloading because you never know what might be with it because, you know, that's funny and topical. The actual episode itself spends a lot more time with the relationship problems between Bordis and Clyden and Bordis being unable to forgive Clyden for what happened to their child in the first season where their child was born female and forced to go through a sex change because all Mocklins are male. It was a very interesting episode on gender that they did last season. And it really, it made me think a lot about children that are born intersexed and how often doctors sometimes without the consent of the parent will perform reconstructive surgery on the infant to quote unquote, correct the issue. And especially when there's not an issue to be corrected sometimes and sometimes because, well, they get it wrong and that's a whole other kind of a problem. But to have an episode that, again, you expect a lot of humor, and there is humor related to him trying to acquire new programs for his enjoyment and pleasure, you expect a certain kind of lowbrow humor when it comes to that. You don't expect this really moving subplot about how he has, he is enabled unable, at least at this point, to forgive Clyden for not defending their child when push came to shove. And, huh, that, that, that was powerful. I didn't expect that. Not to mention, the show also has a very dark storyline about a planet that's being destroyed where they discover that there's actually a civilization living there. And the crew of the Orville having to intervene. It's rare, especially in today's climate, for a show to be surprising. 
and shows that try to be surprising often really get it wrong. And this is why the juxtaposition between a show like this and Star Trek Discovery can be really um, enlightening. <laughs> because Star Trek Discovery tried really hard to be creative and surprising in the way they told their story. And putting aside the potential theft of a minor portion of the plot that really either just pay the person or leave it out because it doesn't affect the overall story all that much. Um, well, they didn't do it in a way that wouldn't turn off their core audience quickly and consistently. And so by the time you get to the twist reveal, you're a lot of people checked out. I had a feeling they were going for something. I was wrong about what they were going for, and I really enjoyed the twist when it happened. But it took so long for them to set it up or to let us know that it was a possibility. Because by the time I st by the time they told us it was a possibility, and I started to suspect that that's what had happened. That's basically the self-same episode where they reveal the twist. And so they lost a lot of their audience. A show like The Orville, on the other hand, which takes either a ridiculous premise, such as a mucklin only having to pee once a year and turning it into a profound meditation about connection and those who you have in your life and why they are a part of your life and the friendships that we develop and sustain that could really backfire. And I think in the first season, they had a couple episodes that did do that, that did kind of fall short to meeting that moment of surprise. The, so far this season has been fairly good. I mean, it's the, consistency of the episodes has really picked up from last season where there were a few episodes that yeah you can see the jokes that really didn't quite land or the serious moments that just didn't quite hit the right tone that they intended but for the most part this season has been really solid and then we come to home the most recent episode of the Orville and the mysteries that it leaves behind. Basically the plot of the show fo follows these Salean uh, security officer, Alara Kitan, I'm sorry, Alara Kitan and her getting weak. And you find out that, you know, we, well, we knew from the first season that the Zelayans are so strong because the gravity on their home world is, you know, really, really strong. And so they develop really hard muscles and bones to be able to operate on their home world. And her muscles and bones are starting to weaken because she left her home world of Zelaya at a very young age. And there, she needs to go home to hopefully get better. And I don't want to give a lot of spoilers, at least not yet, at least not before the break, about this episode, but it brings 
in a few veterans from Star Trek that, you know, Robert Picardo is here and that was very welcome. And my beloved Dr. Flux was here and that's, again, very welcome. But having said that, the show goes into places that I didn't expect it to go to. It takes a sudden dark turn at a certain point in the show and doesn't fall apart. It, it actually works. It, it, the dark premise on which the show is built, on which this particular episode is built, really stands up and fixes so much. It, it, it explains so much about her character and why she is the way she is and really sets her up for a wonderful future. And now is where I am going to first bring in the spoilers. So if you're not caught up with the Orville at this point, you should stop listening because this is a big spoiler that I'm about to say. And if you've been on the internet, you probably already know about the spoiler. But of course, they find a treatment for her condition so she can stay on the Orville and continue her, you know, getting better. But she finally reconnects with her father, played by Robert Picardo. And stays. She decides to leave the crew of the Orville and stay on Zalea. Because she finally earns the respect of her family. And she finally connects with her family in a way that she never has. Now, this is a theme that they've pressed repeatedly in the first three episodes of the show. So when it lands here, you're ready for it. The brilliance in the writing is that when you actually look back at the previous two episodes, from Jaloja to Primal Urges... They were teeing up this moment where she finally earns the respect of her family and realizes that she wants to stay with them and get to know them and let them get to know her. It's so... It's shocking because you're not expecting a series regular to leave the show. But you're ready for it. Because we've just been through two previous stories that were on this very issue. And you can feel the connection that she finally earns with her father. And you want it, you want it to get better. And we'll talk about this a little bit more after the break. And we're back. Okay, so before the break, we mentioned that Alara had decided to stay with her family. And it's a wonderful moment, and it's a touching moment. And she does. She leaves. And I've spent the last couple days since I saw this episode trying to find out why. And apparently nobody knows. The actress is confirmed to have left the series. She's not coming back. We're not going to spend any more time with Alara. And in fact, they have cast another woman to come in and play another Zelan who is going to be the new security chief 
so their intent to have a, a female Salan security chief is there. But for some reason, the actor has left the series. And I'm not going to speculate on that because we really don't know why. Personally, I, I, I don't know why I feel this way, but I, I feel like they signed a deal. I, I'm kind of Gates McFadden on this, right? That she got a deal to do something that she really wants to do, but she's currently under embargo, so she can't talk about it. And so that's why nobody knows why she left the show. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's because of the similarities between this and Star Trek that I'm thinking back to Gates McFadden and why she'd left Star Trek in season two. She got a chance to do some choreography on Broadway that she really couldn't pass up something she really wanted to do. And so she left the show for a year. And that's probably the only reason why I think that's the case is because the Star Trek parallel is hitting me really hard with this series. But she's gone. And we're going to get introduced to a New Zealand security officer and the show will go on. I, I do wish that they would, ex you know, let us know why she left the series. I, I think that that would be interesting to find out, especially because the show has developed an audience. I was surprised when I went to shore leave last year, how many people were talking about the Orville and how excited they were about it. But beyond that, it's an interesting show with interesting challenges. And I, I don't, I, I don't know why she ended up leaving though. I hope it's for the best. I hope, you know, there's a good reason and, you know, I wish her the best in everything that she does. But the way that they handled her departure from the series in this kind of triptych of opening episodes where we have these kind of profound meditations on friendship and family and relations culminating in this brilliant episode. And I really liked the episode. If, if again, if you missed the spoiler warning earlier in the episode, I am going to be spoiling this particular episode. But when John Billingy, um, how, how did I mess his name up that badly? When John Billingsley's um, um, canvas suddenly changes and you realize that he's there for revenge, that he's there to do harm to her family, and the show really takes its hard turn from just kind of a family, you know. It reminded me kind of initially of the episode of Deep Space Nine, where Emery goes back to visit her family, and you find out that she's kind of the black sheep of the, sheep of the family because she didn't go into the family business, and she left them, and this, that, and the other, and she never wanted to be joined, and now she's joined, and oh, ha, la-di-da, la you know. It really kind of felt like it was going to be that kind of an episode of the Orville. And when it takes this very hard turn and we see her saving her father and her, the rest of her family, somehow, and I, 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 especially as a writer, I'm fascinated by this ability that the Orville has gained, or at the very least, repeatedly exhibits 
to go through these tonal shifts where you think you're getting one kind of an episode or one kind of a storyline and then to suddenly just pivot into something else. And this show, this episode again, pulls that off and pulls it off so seamlessly that it, it it's, it's a thing of beauty. And the writer in me is just fascinated at how in the same episode, you could introduce Patrick Warburton's temporary replacement for her on the ship. That's just nothing but sight gags and just really crude and crass humor. Um, yeah. The fact that he can pull off both of those things is a remarkable feat and something that I've really come to love this show over. And as a writer, I really wish I could figure out how they're capable of doing that because, well, I don't know that I would do it in my own fiction because my sense of humor is fairly dry and I rather enjoy it when somebody figures out that I've included a joke in the things that I write. But it, it's an, a very interesting twist that they've been able to pull off. And I'm hoping that it only gets better as the show goes on because there's so much there there. And yet I'm left with two different sets of emotions over the opening three episodes of the series. I'm left with the mystery over why Alara had to leave. Why did Halston Sage leave the show? Did she have something else set up that she wanted to do? Is she going on to other things? Does she not like being on the show? The only thing that's on her IMDb page is apparently she was on in a, in a uh, movie called The Last Summer, which is already in post-production, which means it's been filmed. And she apparently either has done or will do a one-episode stint on uh, Mag the new Magnum P.I., which I didn't even know they were doing, which is also listed for this year. But it doesn't have more work there. So I, I don't know why she left. And I'm left wondering because Alara was a character that I really enjoyed and I liked how they were developing the relationship between her and Commander, Commander Grace and, and her and some of the other characters. And that I'm going to miss. But at the same time, it was such... A fitting episode. I, I've watched many a show where a character left for one reason, whether it's because they were told not to do Playboy and did it otherwise, and uh, got killed by a giant tar monster for absolutely no reasons, reason in the most meaningless death in all of Star Trek history, or on Babylon 5 where several characters left because the actors wanted to leave the show. And they had exits that they could take to get out of the series. I've never quite seen one that was handled as deftly as this. And again, this is something that I keep going back to that amazes me about the quality of writing on this show. 
because I don't expect it. Because I know there's going to be that crass humor, and I know it's going to have that kind of lowbrow, those lowbrow jokes throughout the show that is kind of a trademark of Seth MacFarlane. Yet, at the same time, to be able to have these meaningful, profound moments of character and story. Mm. I really don't know how they're pulling that off. I really don't. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the writer's room to see how <laughs> they are doing this. Because by the end of season one, and clearly here in season two, they've gotten very well practiced with this, which leads me to believe that they've figured out some tick some tricks and techniques to make it work. But I don't know what they are. I, I would love to speculate. But at the same time, as I'm wondering about why, you know, the actress is leaving the show and why the character is not going to be returning and why they're basically casting a new version of her to introduce to the show, which I'm sure they're going to find some ways to differentiate from Alara so that, you know, they don't get the hatred that can sometimes come when a character is recast or replaced on a show. The, the, the thematic elements that have gone into this season so far I, I'm curious if they're going to end here or if this is going to be kind of a leitmotif that runs through this entire season. That this entire season is somehow going to be about connection and family and how we choose the people that we ally ourselves with. Mainly because we know that the next episode is going to involve the Krill, who are the great villains. They are, if you will, the Klingons of the Orville universe. They are the species of bad guys that the show has set up. So it, I don't know. I'm really curious to see where they go with all of this. Because if they can make a, an annual urination ceremony meaningful somehow, Without going into the crass humor, like, I was expecting it, and then it just didn't happen. Though I do wonder if there is a scene on the cutting room floor somewhere where it did. Like, they filmed it and realized, well, that didn't quite work, and decided to do the episode without it. I don't know. But if you're not watching The Orville this season... And if you've never checked it out, if you have access to Hulu, the entire first season is there, and all of the episodes of the second season are there as well. I highly recommend you check the series out, especially if you're a sci-fi fan. If you're a Star Trek fan, like this show has somehow found a way to be the middle ground between the original series and the next gen. Like It has that kind of modern rationalist in you know intellectualism of the next generation series with the brash adventurism of the original series and i want to word it that way because well yes there were some wonderfully thoughtful 
episodes of the first series of the original series of Star Trek, they were a tonal shift away from a lot of the other episodes of the series. Like this is a series that would have the ludicrousness of something like the Amok Time. Spock has to fight because he, like a salmon, has come to his time of mating and have a deep, meaningful discussion of what relationships are somehow mixed into that. Like the original series of Star Trek and the next gen and all the other series of Star Trek kind of had their really serious episodes and meaningful episodes. And then they had kind of the fun Lark episodes. This show somehow finds a way to mash that up and have them both simultaneously. And I enjoy it so much. So yeah, I just, I don't know. So Halston Sage, you shall be missed. I hope everything is fine with you. And I, I wish you much fortune in the future. As far as everything else, I mean, I, I I do hope at some point we find out why she left the series. And if you're not watching it, definitely check it out. If you've enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do that. That tells the algorithm to share with, you know, me with other people that helps out a lot. If you got a buck you can throw my way, you can do that very easily. Either hit support in the app, or if that button isn't in the app that you're listening to me on, in the show notes, there's a link that says support on Anchor. You can support me at the $1, $5, or $10 a month levels. That helps me continue doing the things that I do. It recently helped me to be able to buy a copy of Vellum and Worldographer so that I can make some pretty maps for you all. And make the ebooks and print books look even better. So, thank you. That really helps out a lot. If you don't have a buck that you can throw my way, trust me, I completely understand that. I understand money being tough. Um, just, if you can, share me with somebody that you think will enjoy this podcast. If you'd like to talk to me, you can connect with me. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter. You can always send me a voice message through the Anchor app at anchor.fm. And... As always, don't forget. Oh, you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. And as always, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.